Hello and welcome to this week's Flathead Beacon podcast. I'm Andy Viano. Coming up, we'll dig into two big stories from this week's Beacon with a pair of my colleagues, Editor-in-Chief Kellen Brown and staff writer Micah Drew. We'll be talking about numbers with both of them, starting with a population boom that is, or maybe isn't, happening in Flathead County this year. You may have heard a rumor from a friend, from a coworker, or a family member about the huge numbers of COVID-19 transplants that have arrived. Maybe it's 10,000, maybe it's 20,000, maybe it's 30,000 new residents this year. Well, Kellen wrote about those numbers and the history of population growth here in his column this week. And then Tristan Scott dug into the rumors in his cover story, The Road to Montana, which you can read right now at flatheadbeacon.com. And a quick spoiler, 30,000 people have not moved to Flathead County in the last six months. After that, Micah Drew will stop by with a quick update on the 2020 election and share what he learned at the Flathead County Election Department as votes continue to pile up at a record pace. We'll have a lot more election coverage in the next week at flatheadbeacon.com, including a live video stream and real-time updates from our reporters on election night. But don't forget to drop off that ballot now if you haven't already. And if you forget this, Micah is going to remind you again in a few minutes. But before any of that, I'd like to remind you that this podcast and everything we do with the Flathead Beacon is made possible by the generous members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. For as little as $5 per month, members help power our reporting and allow us to dig deep into the stories that affect your life. To learn more or join the club today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. Okay, a lot to get to today, and remember, later in the episode, I'll be back to run down the biggest stories of the last seven days. But first, let's talk new arrivals in Flathead County with our editor-in-chief, Kellen Brown. So this week's cover story is about the population growth, or at least the supposed population growth in the Flathead Valley over the last six months, perhaps as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. I want to talk to you a bit about that story and about the column you wrote this week. But I guess, first of all, for our listeners, where did the idea for this story come from? A few of us in the newsroom heard it, right? This rumor of 30,000 people moving to the Flathead. Uh, within a six to eight month period. I heard it actually from a former colleague while I was golfing and I just turned to him and I said, that is absolutely impossible. And he asked why. And one of the things you guys tease me about is how often I look at the census. I write about the census a lot. I love numbers and looking at population growth, the threshold that it will take for us to get to, to get a new U.S. House seat, which we're really close to doing this census. So I basically kind of knocked it down and then I heard it again. And then I got a phone call. Some of our more you know loyal readers, I get a few calls from kind of uh, some uh, uh, the same characters every week and they're great, but they call and say 30,000 people. And I said, no, <laughs> no, that's just not possible. So I just started talking to Tristan Scott about uh, writing a story about how much we have grown, which is tricky. It's a tricky proposition because we don't have numbers. We just have anecdotes. And, um, then I was actually uh, at a board meeting, and I was on a Zoom call uh, for this meeting, one of the boards I serve on, and it came up again. And these are leaders in the Valley that are, are talking about it. these huge numbers. And I didn't chime in and say, no, no, I didn't. And, and I don't know the exact number. But then I, I, I found uh, one of our actually elected officials who serves on that board and a prominent business owner were discussing whether it was more 
or less than 7,000 people. And so what I try to do in the column and what Tristan tries to do in the cover story this week is like to kind of glean some anecdotes, but also look at the history of growth in the flathead over the last decade or more. To, to put it into a little bit of perspective, I mean, setting aside the 30,000 people, mm -hmm. we're, we're fairly certain that's not true. But even if it was 7,000 people here in the last six months, I mean, this is a fast growing community mm -hmm. and has been. If that's the right number, what, what would that mean? It would be absolutely unprecedented for uh, annual growth in the history of Flathead. That's what it would be. It would be about triple the growth that we've ever had annually uh, and in half the amount of time. So if you look at between April uh, 2010 and July 2019, the census estimates that Flathead County has added about 13,000 people. We've grown from about 91,000 to about 104,000, which makes us one of the fastest micropolitans in the country over that period of time. We're top 10 in like percentage growth, top 10 in total growth. And what those are, micropolitans are basically Bozeman's in that category. We're in that category, smaller urban areas. Um, we're not ranked against like the Dallas and that sort of thing. Gallatin County is the fastest growing micropolitan in the country. And we're always kind of nipping at their heels a little bit. And then between 2018 and 2019, uh, we added 1,800 people, which was a lot, and ranked eighth nationwide for the total number of people growing. So 1,800. And we've added about 2,000 before on a really gangbusters years, gangbuster years. But seven, now we're looking at 7,000 people, which is a lot. And the reason I believe that perhaps that could have happened is if some of the snowbirds decided to become full-time residents. But it can't be 7,000 people moving into new homes because we don't have the inventory. We don't have enough. And so either the snowbirds are selling their existing inventory and now they're counted as full-time residents, which is possible. But man, if we added 7,000, if we jumped from 104,000 people to 111, 12,000 people, it's huge. It's, it's about a city the size, as at least full-timers, as Whitefish or Columbia Falls. But 30,000 is bigger than Kalispell. And you would just feel the stress on our infrastructure structure so much more. It doesn't mean it's not busy, um, because it is. Uh, considering shoulder season, there's a lot of people here still. And we're, we're combing through some um, school numbers this week. Uh, and we'll have a better idea. But that's still hard, because a lot of people are homeschooling. So, you know, are we going to, how are we counting those? Are we going to count those accurately to really be able to reflect the growth of families here too? But yeah, it was a lot of fun to write the column, but uh, it, also to talk to Tristan about this and he's making calls and we can get into that a little bit on, on, who, on, on the anecdotes he found. Let's talk about that in a second. First, before we do though, where do you think some of these, these numbers and this hyperbole is coming from? Like you say, these are these are informed, plugged-in people who are, are saying <laughs> things that we're pretty sure are, are exaggerations. Why do people think there is this explosive growth here right now? Uh, there's a few anecdotes in Tristan's story. One of them is there's like a map with the number of new people getting licenses and which ones are from out of state. And then, I don't know, 30,000 is a nice, robust, even number, but... It, it is kind of crazy. It's also very specific, though, too. And so 
the the number of emails, and I don't want to overstate, it's probably only a half dozen or or even one or two less, four to six. But that's a lot of people being like 30,000 people have moved here, people I know. And and to just be like, that is insane. That's 30% growth in six months. So I don't know. I don't know how it spread, but it's pretty interesting. We definitely grew. Uh, it's just like it, it, that that level of growth without the housing inventory, it's just not possible. Well, where do we think the numbers are? If we get into Tristan's story a little yeah. bit, what was he able to find out and, and what do we think is actually going on? Well, we definitely grew, uh, right? He took a look at title transfers. Um, it's just is just one example. The no, number of transfers this year, that this this time this year compared to last year, 300 increase. Although not everyone gets their title transferred right away. A lot of people don't do it until their registration is up. I mean, there's just a lot of factors into that. He also talked to folks at Flathead Electric and how many calls they're getting for service. And they're, uh, and they're up for sure. They're up like, you know, 300 work orders this year, which is significant. Because remember, we grew fast last year. And, and they're, they're reporting about 30% of those folks are out of state. We talked at reality, uh, uh, real estate companies that just said, I mean, they're 50% over last year, the inventory that's moving. And a lot, and, and anecdotally, a lot of it is moving from perhaps part-time Canadians, orders been closed, and are selling to full-time Americans or part-time Americans. But I think a lot more that, uh, hey, I live in a big city that's shut down. I'm going to buy this home that's probably lived in three months out of the year. Now it's going to be lived in for the full year. So those are just a few. Um, we, you know, we have building permits, and, and, and those are up too. Like all this is up, and all of it is up from a year that saw a lot of growth. Or a, a prop, a, I'm just guessing because the numbers, you know, you know, the fiscal year ends in the middle of the year, so it's you know, how many people actually moved here in all of 2019. I don't know. Say it's 2000. It's a lot of growth. And say we're already at 2000 this year. It's a lot of growth and we're not even done. So, you know, you can, you can pull away a lot of, uh, a lot of statistics to kind of support your arguments uh, a little bit with this. I would, uh, if, if we end up adding five to 6,000 people, like I said, it's, it's a record. It's a record times three. So, and is it possible? Yes. Yes, I do believe that's possible. It would be completely unprecedented. I mean, just even 8,000. Crazy growth for us and for anyone, really. It would probably lead the country. I mean, maybe Bozeman. We've seen a few stories out of the Bozeman area. Washington Post has like uh, uh, swooped in and wrote about all the transplants there, too. So they've probably seen a lot of growth as well. But if I was guessing, I would say it's somewhere like the end of the year four to six thousand and i'd still think that's high so uh yeah that's kind of what i'm looking at but uh i just know it's not thirty thousand. <laughs> kellen thanks so much for uh for stopping by here it's a great column and a great story i encourage everybody to uh, go check it out on our website or pick up the flathead beacon but, uh, thank you again for uh taking the time to talk about it uh yeah for sure i love talking about this stuff so uh thanks for having me All right. Well, we were just chatting about numbers getting bigger with our boss, Editor-in-Chief Kellen Brown, about the population growth in the Flathead Valley. There are also some big numbers in the county election office so far this fall. And to chat about that a little bit, my pleasure to welcome back 
fellow staff writer Micah Drew. Micah, hello. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me up here. So the election season, I guess this year, is underway. It's not just an election day, but votes are already coming in and coming in quickly through your reporting. I guess, where are we at right now? Where are the numbers in Flathead County? How many ballots have been turned in? So you are right. This is a whole election season. On October 9th is when the county sent out the first batch of ballots to all registered voters in the county. And at that time, they sent out 66,181 ballots. As of the most recent count this afternoon, they've received back um, more than 36,000 of those ballots. So we're well over um, the halfway point on, on return ballots so far. Do they anticipate that kind of pace will continue? I guess, is, is, there, is it that people have just been encouraged throughout the last month to get ballots in as quickly as possible? Or do they believe this is a sign that we are going to have when Election Day rolls around and all the ballots are counted pretty high turnout? So they are expecting us to have um, pretty much record turnout this year. In addition to those 66,000 ballots that were sent out on October 9th, the county has registered somewhere between five and 8,000 new voters. So our total voter registration in the county is already at its highest that it's ever been. So even if we have an average turnout, the actual number of votes will be significantly higher. The initial return rate was definitely high, mostly just due to the volume of people who got ballots and put them in the mail right away. So it's definitely slowed down. They're expecting to be able to uh, receive and process about 1,000 ballots a day all this week. Um, so it is definitely going to slow down, and there are still a number of people that will be voting on Election Day. But overall, we're expecting very high turnout and very high numbers in general. What do we know, to go back to something you were just saying about the 5,000-plus the new registrations since ballots were mailed out, what, if anything, do we know about those people? Where are those new registrations coming from? So some of that is speculation by election officials. Um, obviously, the numbers in general just being higher than they ever have been before do indicate that we have some new people in the county. So that's mostly registrations that have been transferred from a different county or registrations that have transferred in from a different state. And then there's a lot of people that are not on the active voter list and you get taken off of that if you don't, if you don't vote in so many elections for so many years. So there's a lot of people that reactivated their voter registrations or forgot that they had an old P.O. box, so they hadn't received a ballot, and so they were finally changing those over. So those contributed, contributed to the numbers a little bit, but we are definitely seeing just a higher number of people registering and ready to vote this cycle. I think you said the Elections Department can handle about a 1,000 ballots a day that they can get counted. How, how are they holding up over there? There's a lot of traffic these days in, the, in that building over, uh, over downtown Kalispell. So so it depends on the day. I was over there last week and it was definitely just a, a frenzy of people um, and stacks of pink ballots everywhere. Um, the first week that ballots were sent out, I believe it was the first Wednesday, they actually received 12,000 ballots in the office in one day, which is a lot. They can count somewhere between one and 5,000 in terms of processing them. Between yesterday's numbers and today's numbers, they did process an extra 4,000 ballots, so it probably depends on how many people are actively in the office. And then once we get to closer to Election Day, according to Montana state law, they can start tabulating ballots the day before Election Day. So that Monday of next week is when they will start 8 a.m. and they will start actually opening envelopes, putting them through the voter machines, and counting votes. And that process goes relatively quickly. They can process about 100 to 200 ballots in a minute. So as long as they're not creased and they're not smudged, the, that process will just go smoothly and run all the way 
until they shut down for the day and then start over on election day on Tuesday and go until we have every ballot counted. I want to touch on one of the things that was in your story that I think was a great little piece of information. Like one of the things that concerns people, those who maybe haven't voted absentee before, do a mail ballot that they're going to send theirs in and it's either going to disappear or they're going to have messed something up and, and never hear about it. I mean, what happens? What, what happens over at the elections office? What are they doing to ensure that everybody who does drop a ballot off or put it in the mail Make sure that gets counted, even if there is some sort of a mistake on the voters' end. So all of the officials over at the Elections Department are very confident that there's there's no voter fraud, there are no wasted votes, there are no discarded votes. Um, they're very confident in their process over there. The most common issue that they see with ballots is that people will forget to sign their mail-in ballots, or they'll sign them wrong because there's the two envelopes needed, or people will sign it using either a pencil or a marker or, you know, a paintbrush just dipped in their morning coffee. Or they'll see that um, in households that have multiple voters, sometimes people will mix those up and sign the other person's ballot. And since they're coded to each person, um, that gets flagged. So when I was there, they had a stack of about 100 to 150 ballots that had signature issues. And every single time that they identify a ballot that has a problem, they immediately go and call that voter and they have had a pretty good return rate of people coming in, usually within 24 hours, to rectify that, change their signature, and that makes sure that the votes are counted. All right, Micah, thank you very much for your reporting on this. We will keep watching the votes come in and, uh, of course, report on what they say come, uh, come Election Day next week, but appreciate the time up here this afternoon. Yeah, thank you, Andy. The one last thing to add is that because we are so close to Election Day, if you are listening to this and have not voted, you should not put your ballot in the mail. You should walk it down to the elections office and drop it off yourself to make sure it gets there in time. That's a great reminder. Thank you, Micah. And if you don't know, the election office is in downtown Kalispell. The address 40 11th Street West, Suite 200, and will also be open on November 3rd as the sole polling place in Flathead County. And if you want to read Micah's story, Tristan Scott's cover story on population growth, or Kellen's column, read them all in this week's Beacon or at flatheadbeacon.com. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 9 p.m. on Tuesday, October 27th. Flathead County's Board of Health opted against adopting any measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19 back on October 15th. So last week, state, local, and business leaders took it upon themselves to act. First, last Tuesday, Majestic Valley Arena voluntarily canceled the next month of events scheduled there, a rodeo and the annual holiday extravaganza, in an effort to help control the virus's spread. General Manager Tim Harmon and the 7,000 Capacity Arena's owners made the move in concert with Flathead County Public Health Officer Tamalee St. James Robinson, who had proposed limiting events to 500 or fewer people, a move that was rejected by the Board of Health. Later in the week, the State Department of Public Health and Human Services got into the mix, filing lawsuits against five Flathead County businesses that Governor Steve Bullock said are, quote, egregious violators of public health measures, including his directive that masks be worn in indoor public spaces. The five businesses, Sykes Diner and Scotty's Bar and Casino in Kalispell, Remington Bar in Whitefish, Your Lucky Turn Casino in Big Fork, and the Ferndale Market 
are all due in Flathead County District Court next month to answer the charges, which ask that the businesses be prevented from operating until they come into compliance with the mask directive. And finally, earlier this week, the city of Whitefish adopted measures meant to control the spread of COVID-19 during the upcoming Halloween weekend, forcing bars and restaurants to close an hour earlier than scheduled at 11.30 p.m. on both October 30th and 31st. Mayor John Mulfeld called the move, quote, window dressing, but city councilors who approved the measure by a 5-1 to one vote hoped the move would at least send a message to businesses that have thus far acted irresponsibly. In other COVID-19 news, Kalispell Regional Healthcare says its 125 acute care beds have been 80 to 90 percent occupied in recent weeks. That's according to Dr. Corey Short, a hospitalist and acute care executive at KRH. The hospital has joined public health officials in pleading with the public to stop the recent surge of cases here, which could stress the hospital's physical capacity and, more significantly, overwhelm hospital staff. The staffing crisis at KRH runs the gamut and includes nurses, housekeepers, therapists, and physicians whose ranks are often depleted by COVID-related quarantines, just like the ones that are affecting hundreds of other community members. According to the latest data from the Flathead City County Health Department, 22 people are currently hospitalized here and at least 400 COVID-19 cases are active in the community. 452 new cases of COVID-19 were reported from October 21st to 27th, and 26 Flathead County residents have died from the novel coronavirus. And finally, a lakeside woman is expected to return home no later than today, nearly three weeks after she was charged with deliberate homicide in Sanders County. Rachel Bellison, who works as the shelter coordinator at the Abbey Shelter, a domestic violence advocacy and resource nonprofit based out of Kalispell, is charged with killing her ex-husband Jacob Glace in Paradise after she says he tried to rape her. Glace has a long history of domestic abuse, including a conviction in Washington State while he and Bellison were married. And Bellison's attorney, Lance Jasper, has characterized her arrest and prosecution as a mistake, alleging the shooting was in self-defense. On Tuesday, Jasper won a victory in that regard, convincing a judge to lower Bellison's bail from $200,000 to $20,000, an amount low enough to secure her release. That's all for this week. Remember, you can read more about all of these stories and browse the rest of our work for free at flatheadbeacon.com. And if you're enjoying this show, subscribe on your podcast app of choice and leave us a rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We won't have a podcast next Wednesday because we'll be up late Tuesday covering the election. But if you're craving election coverage, we've got a ton of it planned for election night at flatheadbeacon.com. We'll have a live video broadcast with analysis of all the results after the polls close at 8 p.m. And we'll be updating all the races that matter, from local legislative races to the governor to the race for U.S. senator. Keep coming back to flatheadbeacon.com on November 3rd to stay up to date on all the latest information. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>